You've got to have the Word. We're not getting enough of it. Say, I'm not getting enough of it. I'll guarantee you everyone here in this room is not getting enough. I don't think you can get, ever get enough Word. And so one of the things I want to do to implement for, for this new year, one Wednesday night, and the first one's the 22nd of this month. I think that's what? in What's the date today? In a week? Two weeks. We're going to, we won't have a prayer service. It's going to be a word service. One Wednesday night a month, we're going to dedicate to teaching and preaching the word because we need more. So... You know, I, I don't know what your schedule's like, but she just talked about I married a coach. She was a coach. And so she's telling you in a roundabout way that we need to get more word, we need to pray more, we need to meditate more. So avail yourself to these things. You know, make that a priority. You need to be here on Sundays. You say, why do you always say that? Because I'm the preacher and I can't. And I wouldn't be a good preacher, Abe, if I didn't tell you to come to church. And so it's got to be a priority. And I look at this. We were sitting, I went out th- Thursday, and I spent Thursday, Friday, and came home yesterday with, with Caleb and Kaylee. And I did a little hunting yesterday, three miles of trekking through the hunting pheasants. Didn't see a bird, but I got exercise. But we were sitting, and they, Caleb says, I want to take you to a coffee shop. And he took me downtown to a coffee shop. And we walk in, and there's their worship leader sitting there. And um, beautiful coffee shop downtown Kearney. And uh, I sat there with, with Caleb and Kaylee and listened to them talk. These millennials, these young people, they like that. They like to sit around and visit. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I looked at them. I said, this is what you millennials like to do. And, they're, and they were busy, young people and old people alike. But uh, we got to learn how to connect. But I, I'll tell you what, I don't care what age you are. And you can say, well, millennials are different and Gen X and all these different. We all need the word. And I know that you have schedules that are demanding. I know that you have jobs. My heart goes out to, like Candace's Steve. He works at Newcore, and he's got to work some weekend. I, I get that. Kaylee's a nurse. She can't go to church every Sunday. But, folks, I don't, if you can't, you've got to figure out a way to get the Word in you. And so let's make that a priority. You say, you know what? I... I I don't like to be told what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm suggesting that you do these things, you know, or you're going to pay the price of neglect. Amen? Now, we're going to go on, and we're on a series on mercy. And we'll be on it for a while because I I, I want you to see and get through this that God is a God of mercy. He's a good, loving, heavenly Father. And you know, how many of us miss it every day? How many of us have it, things in your life you want to overcome? Amen? So we've got to, we've, it's just like we've got to work at it. And, and some of you, God bless you, you know, are making progress. And, and, and so don't be so hard on yourself and beat yourself up. Amen? 
We said the church must promote God's mercy and goodness. So that's our, our role, our job this year. We said the decreeing of God's goodness and mercy comes before his glory. We said the church must speak God's mercy. Stand up. Put it up right now, would you? So aren't you glad we got that figured out, Caleb? He's going to put this up. might take a second because he, there you go. I, I, let's start it. Instead of ending the service, let's start the service. I declare the next season of my life to be a season of fulfillment and blessing. I expect the things that once disappointed me to be no more. I declare the Spirit of God is hovering over the United States of America, birthing revival. I declare America shall be saved. I speak God's mercy over President Trump and the White House. I speak God's grace and mercy over Congress and the Supreme Court. I speak God's grace and mercy over the 2020 election. I speak God's grace and mercy over the state of Nebraska. Thank you, Father. The next decade will be a decade of difference because you're giving us kingdom authority for your hands to work on another generation. I speak God's grace and mercy manifested over my family and Harvest Church in 2020 in Jesus' name. For the Lord is good, and his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Amen. You can be seated. So we got to get proactive, folks. Amen. I, I learned yesterday as I was trudging through that swampy, trying to, you know, get through to spook up a bird. I'm 62. I'm not 32 anymore. And I realized, and Caleb, we got all done. He says, we need to quit, I can tell, he told me. Well, we, we made the roundabout way. And, you know, he says, you know, I, I, I do this so much, it's, I, don't, I feel great. I says, well, I don't do this. <laughs> Find me, help me to the truck. <laughs> you know, we got to stay in shape. And I go to the gym. Abe's seen me there, haven't. Tell him you've seen your pastor at the gym. So let's, let's talk about mercy a little more, and, and I'll give you some examples. And We said mercy is a refraining from harming or punishing offenders, enemies, or persons in one's power. It's kindness in excess of what may be expected or demanded by fairness, forbearance, and compassion. It's the power to forgive or be kind. Boy, if you're going to remember, that's a simple definition. It's the power to forgive. Say it's the power to forgive and to be kind. You know, I love Dean. He's leaving. And, and you know, I've really, I, I consider Dean a good friend. And, and the one thing I like about Dean is he's kind. He's kind to people. He's generous. And that's one thing we all need to be more. Because who's kind and generous? Jesus. And if Jesus is in you, then that should come out. It's also, um, here's 
the, the Hebrew word, it's hesed, H-E-S-E-D. It's loving kindness, unfailing love, steadfast covenant love, loyal love, tenderness, faithfulness, a feeling of kindness or compassion. Say compassion. See, mercy is tied to compassion, and we're going to talk about that today. We said this Hebrew word describes God's specific action toward individuals and, and Israel itself and gives this insight into God's very nature. So mercy and compassion and goodness is God's nature. It's our Father's nature. That's why we need to sing about it and declare it. Even in times of trial and discipline from the Lord, His unfailing love and mercy are constantly available. God's mercy, now listen, is His compassion toward us even when we deserve punishment. Anyone here ever blow it? His commitment to restore us even though we deserve to endure the consequences of our sin and his covenant of love expressed at the point of our greatest foolishness. So God's a God of compassion even when we blow it. I can remember, and I don't know why this came to me. It just now must be God. I need to tell you the story. But when I was a little boy in kindergarten, I I had a a pair of little brown. See, my dad owned a shoe store, and, and I wore these brown shoes and and they, you know, I suppose they weren't cheap, although I got them at cost. That's one thing about owning a shoe store. You get everything at cost. And my mother told me on before she says, Michael, she said, now, you, you keep those shoes clean. Well, I got on the playground. I got my brown little orthopedic shoes. They were orthopedic shoes. I wore orthopedic shoes. And <laughs> I came home, and I got them. They were just muddy. They were massive. She looked at me, my German mother the one that I used to make driver to pull the drawer out and get a cigarette. That's my mo- that was my mother. She's a good mother, but, you know, high strung. That's where I got it. And those shoes were te- looked terrible. She says, I've told you what's going to happen. You get those shoes muddy, your butt's going to get paddled. And so I had an idea. I said, Mother, can I go to the bathroom? And so I went and sat on the pot, thinking maybe pretty soon she knew what I was doing. She knocked on the door and she says, I told you. Now, you're going to reap the consequences of your actions. You know, I didn't have to go to the bathroom, but I was stalling. Sure enough, I got my butt paddled. Isn't it funny how you remember those things? How many can you ever remember getting paddled? I got no compassion that day at all. Nothing, you know. But God is a God of compassion. So if when you blow it and you say, Father, forgive me, he does. You don't have to duck. He's not going to wave a, a club at you and try to whack you. He'll deal with your heart. And what he does with me, he deals with me so much that I become so remorse and so, you know, Lord, forgive me, I blew it. Well, he does. He's a loving heavenly father. I got away with stuff with my natural dad that I didn't get away with with my mother. You know, my dad just, he, I can say honestly, this is the honest to God's truth. My father never laid a hand on me. My butt, I never whacked me, never took, mother did. But my dad didn't. So I, isn't it funny? I got a, I grew up with a, a great example of a father that never whacked me when I blew it. All he had to do is look at me and 
or, or I, I, I just hated to b- break their hearts. You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't want to do anything that would grieve them, although I did a few things. Now, let's go on. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and for the sake of time, you can look at it, but I want to read it to you from the message translation. We're going to look at the word mercy in the Greek. In Ephesians chapter 2 and 1 through 7, this is, this is a great translation of who you and I used to be, and because of God's mercy, what we became. It says, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in the old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy. Say immense in mercy. And with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now, isn't that a wonderful expression of our God who loves us so much, who's so merciful and so full of compassion? Now, in the Greek, we look at the word, it's E-L-E-O-S, eleos. It means compassion, tender mercy, kindness. It's an outward manifestation of pity to show kindness and concern for someone in serious need. Those who take care of the sick are called elio or showers of mercy. In the New Testament, the word is often used of Christ's gracious faithfulness and proof of his benevolence. Now listen, this is what I want you to get. Mercy is not merely a passive emotion but an active desire to remove the cause of distress in others. Let me read it to you again. Mercy is not merely a passive emotion, but it's an active desire to remove the cause of distress in others. Now, how many of you (laughs) have ever seen that commercial about abused dogs? It's a long one. They play on you, folks. Have you seen? How many have seen it? How many of her like us? Flick, flick it off or turn to the next channel. I cannot watch it. She cannot watch it. It shows all these animals that have been abused. Amen? And, and what it does, it, they play on your emotions. My, it's a soulish thing. I mean, they want to get, it's just like, um, oh, the Shriners Hospital and the, uh, Danny Thomas's Hospital. They play those St. Jude's. Those are good commercials. I like those. That little kid sits in his, we'll send you this adorable, remember, little blanket. And I get that. They're playing on your emotions. But, you know, sometimes you see something. You see an individual in need. You see a child or someone in distress. It Don't you want to do something? 
How many have ever seen a need and just been moved in your heart to do something? You see, that's God's mercy and compassion. Now, I want to read to you the scholar, thank you, the scholar, Rick Renner. This is what he tells us, this word. He gives us a good example And don't turn there, but I'll read it to you. In Colossians 3.12, it says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. How's that that sound? Does that move you? (laughs) In, In the King James, it's called bowels. Where's your bowels, folks? Bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. And here's what he says about bowels of mercy. You might not want to hear it, but I'm going to do it anyway. To begin, I want to focus on the phrase bowels of mercies, which sounds very strange in today's vernacular, but conveys a powerful message. It is a translation of two Greek words. Splagnon, and and I can't even pronounce the next one, but it says the word splagnon refers to the inner organs of a human body or more specifically the bowels. The other Greek word denotes compassion or a deeply felt urge to help, help relieve some kind of pain or sorrow. He says, before I elaborate further on the word Greek word splagnon or bowels, I must ask you to pardon me in advance for being so blunt with my explanation. However, it is important to consider the function of bowels in order to understand the reason why that word was used in connection with mercy and compassion in the New Testament. Physically, when your bowels move, you feel it deeply. Some of us more than others. You can laugh. I don't care. Amen. When the process is done, the bowels have made a physical deposit and rid the body of human waste. The purpose of these feelings, however, is not superficial. They are a sign that the intestines are working to push waste through the system and out of the body. Thus, by using the word splagnon, Paul was saying that deep feelings of compassion should do more than merely provoke pity for a person's situation. They should spur you to action. When these feelings begin to well up deep within your spirit, you must surrender them and let them work through your inner man until they manifest through your words and actions. As you do this, God's spirit simultaneously works through you to reach out and make a spiritual deposit into those who are suffering, sorrowful, are going through a difficult time in their lives. To feel that inner pain without taking any action simply produces no benefit. Did you hear that? To feel that inner pain without taking any action simply produces no benefit. And he goes on to say, is there someone you know who needs a touch of compassion or mercy? That divine compassion is deposited deep within your spirit. Say in my spirit. Not your mind, will, emotions, but your spirit. And if you yield to it, it will flow from the deepest part of your being to heal, to change, to deliver, and bring relief to that person in need. So I exhort you, please don't shut off your bowels of compassion. See, you won't forget that today. If you sense the urge growing and building inside your spirit to alleviate another person's pain, let that compassion flow and bring him or her to the delivering power of God. 
Now, let's look in the Scripture. Look at um, Matthew chapter 14. And I'll go through a few, just a few quickly. I think there's five instances where Christ was moved with compassion, and as a result, there were miracles and there were healings. Look at the first one in Matthew 14. Matthew 14. This year, you know, we need to see the world through the eyes of Christ. They're lost. They're hurting. They're sick. Even see other fellow believers in Christ that are, that are sick and are hurting. We need to, to be moved with compassion and do something. See how many have ever known somebody that was sick or experienced a death in the family? What do you do? You cook them something. You take them food. You reach out to them. That's what I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13. This was after John the Baptist was beheaded. It says in verse 13, When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he what? Saw a great multitude. He was looking and he was moved with what? Compassion for them and healed their sick. What did he do? He did something. Compassion and mercy this year should stir you when you see a need, even young people in school. You might see another fellow classmate that's hurting. You don't know what's going on in their home. You know, it would be hard for me to be a teacher today in the public school system, and I bet Beth would agree with me. Do you know what those teachers see every day? Yeah, you hear about rebellious teens and all that. But they there's kids that come to school that don't even get breakfast. That aren't even wearing the proper clothing. They're hurting. They're abused. Physically, emotionally. And my heart, you know, would want to do something to help them. Well, here's another one. Jesus, Matthew chapter 15 and verse 32. It says, Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the what? Multitude, because they've now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. So what did he do? Multiplied the, the, the loaves and the, and the fish, and he fed them. Look at Matthew chapter 20. Matthew 20, verse 29. As they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men. Now, it says a great what? See, do you realize how many people followed him? Multitudes thronged him. This is what I want you to to see. Even though there were so many people, for some reason, Jesus the Christ, the anointed one of God, could look out on the multitudes and see one person in need. Two people in need. He wasn't so caught up with the people. He was was so in tune with the Spirit of God that he could recognize a need and meet it. And in Matthew chapter 20 and, and verse 29, and it, it says, As they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men. 
sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out saying, what? Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. And then the multitude warned them they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? Did they get Jesus' attention? They raised their voice. You know, sometimes you and I just, we're going through a difficult time. You need to just cry out to God, Help me! Mercy! Amen? I've done that a lot through 30 years of pastoring. (laughs) It's the truth. Then they said to him, Lord, he says, what do you want me to do? He says, Lord, that our eyes may be open. So Jesus had compassion, and compassion causes you to, to do what? The mercy of God causes you to do what? Reach out, and he touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. I was listening to this. <clears throat> Caleb said this worship leader is a real talker, must be a DJ. He's half British. And so I walked in, and I'd met him, and, and he really doesn't know me. And I said, I looked to Caleb in front of him. I said, is this the Brit that's your worship leader? And he began to talk, and, he, and Caleb said, told me, he says, he talks a lot. And he does. And so I had to stand there and endure. But it was interesting because he told stories about when he was a little boy, and and he was in a, a, a Oral Roberts um, evangelistic service, and it was uh, the son, Robert, uh, Richard. Richard, thank you. And, it, and I think it was in Europe. It was, it was in Amsterdam. And he was at a service, and he was a little boy. And this guy's probably in his middle 40s now. And he said... The, got to the end of the service, and there was Richard Roberts, the evangelist. And an evangelist flows in in gifts of healing. And Richard Roberts gave this word. He says, "There's, there's an individual here that when you were a young child, you were in an accident, and your hand was all mangled. And this worship leader was relating the story. He says, as a little boy, I watched this man walk up to the front, and as he walked up, his withered hand opened up and was miraculously healed. See, that's the evangelist. And he said, from then on as a little boy, he said, God had my attention. He said, I knew there was a God in heaven. And we lazy Americans that aren't hungry for God, and we don't experience a lot of that. But I'll tell you what. Where, where there's, where there's an, a desperate need, people cry out to God for mercy. God will meet them with compassion and with love. Amen. Let's look at, uh, let me look at one more. Look at Mark 1. Mark chapter 1. Then I want to read to you a, a story. And we'll close. Mark 1. I just want, and you know what? I can't think of a better outreach to the community than Night to Shine. I don't think, and I've heard Abe say this, and I believe Abe. He says this is one of the best things in a year that, and during the year that, that I look forward to. To reach out to somebody and just 
Treat them like a queen and a king because they're God's children. Amen? In Mark chapter 1, look at verse 40. Mark 1, 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to me, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What was that talking? Faith. Then Jesus, then it, here it says, moved with compassion. Where's it at? Down here. In your spirit. Moved with compassion. Stretched out his hand, touched him, an action. Faith is an action. And said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he'd spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Miracle. But see, Jesus, yeah, he healed people. But there's instances in the Bible where he was moved in with bowels of compassion and began, you know, to, to reach out to them and to bring healing and deliverance to them. Now, one of my fam- favorite great men of God, an apostle of God, Smith Wigglesworth was from England, and he lived... The early 20th century, and I don't know when he passed away. I think in the 40s, maybe. Some of the most astounding miracles. And he was just an uneducated plumber. The God got a hold of him, and he got a hold of God. And I want to read to you some stories about him, a couple here. And this relates to compassion and mercy It says, this chapter was entitled, He had a heart of compassion. It says, um, this this is the incident, incident that took place. He says, I took a friend crippled with rheumatoid arthritis to hear Brother Wigglesworth speak. How many have ever known somebody with arthritis? I mean, bad. How many know somebody with really terrible... Oh, Mary Jane, you probably have seen it through the years. When I was a little boy, here I go at Leanon in church. It's funny how you remember these things. There was a woman that was like this. And she came in and sat on the back pew every Sunday, and she walked like this. And she had a big hump on her back. I never forgot that. You talk about somebody that needed compassion, needed healing. He says, I brought this individual with arthritis to hear Brother Wigglesworth speak. After his message, he called the sick forward for prayer. Because of her crippled condition, my friend was still at the back of the hall when the others who'd gone forward had reached the front. Wigglesworth looked up, saw my friend struggling, and called to her to stand still. He said, Sister, the trial of your faith is as gold Turning to the congregation, he said, we don't even need to minister to our sister. She's receiving healing now. Wow. I want, I want to, you know, see the church walk in that again. His compassion overflowed in his voice, and he wept as he prayed. See? 
bowels of mercy and compassion. He began to weep and pray as he prayed. And the healing virtue of Christ ministered life to my friend. She didn't need to go to the front of the church for healing, but she ran forward to show that she was healed. Wow. See? And that's that should encourage you. You know, we're not all called to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, but I, you have the power of God resonant within you as a believer. And if you see a need, if you see someone that's hurting and sick, you know, put your hand on them. Say, can I pray for you? Just reach out in faith, and, and, and maybe you'll cry, maybe you won't. There's times through 30 years of ministry, I've ministered in, in healing lines, and I can remember laying hands on people and just crying and weeping. Well, that's compassion. Another incident, this is, a, this is kind of funny, that it, at, another incident that at first glance, glance seems far removed from compassion comes to my mind as I write. When Wigglesworth was chairman of a large meeting, one of the speakers had just returned from a visit to the mission field, and he became very intense. The longer he spoke, the more intense and emotional he became until the atmosphere was growing unbearable. The congregation got more and more uncomfortable by the minute. Then Wigglesworth stood up, (laughs) moved just behind the speaker, and quietly said, Sit down, brother. You're killing yourself and us. So the speaker must have just got so emotional that it was causing everybody to be uneasy, and and it wasn't God. It was, you know, emotion. He says, sit down, brother. You're killing yourself and us. Turning to the congregation, he said, we'll sing a hymn while our brother gets quiet. When the song was finished, he told the preacher, go on now and go quieter. The speaker was a very godly man with much grace, and he accepted the rebuke of the chairman. Now, that that tells you something about the, the character of the man he spoke to. He received it. You know, sometimes some of you would get some, you know, rebuke and correction. You get all pissed off and mad and storm out of the church. You wouldn't do that, would you? I've seen people do it. He says, he learned a valuable lesson from this astonishing experience and came to see it as a revelation of the compassion as well as the strength of Brother Wigglesworth. Compassion for the speaker as well as compassion for the congregation. I tell you, I have comp- you want to know how I have compassion on you? Whether you realize it or not. I'm not a long-winded preacher. I'm a bottom line preacher, you, you know. I'll spoil you because you'll go to places. You know, Caleb went here to Kearney. And he, he took, told his mom and dad, he says, my God, their service is going on. It's 45 minutes an hour before the preacher even gets up. You wear the people out. You can't do that. He says, now listen, and I'll close. The Lord does not pour compassion into us the way we pour gasoline into our cars. It is released in our spirits as we are filled with the Holy Spirit and dwell continually in the presence of Jesus. It is released where? In your spirit as you're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why you've got to get filled with the Holy Ghost. 
and dwell continually in the presence of Jesus, that means being filled with God. Wigglesworth's frequent prayer was to be emptied of self and filled with God. Emptied of self and filled with God. Say that. Emptied of self and filled with God. The mainspring of his compassion was to feel as Christ felt. You've been a lawyer. You're retired now. Not totally. Everybody knows Ron. He's a good man. He doesn't get ooey-gooey. I guess that's why we, we love Ron. And there's many times he doesn't show a lot of emotion. But let me ask you this honestly. In the Ron Elbin way, in all the years that you sat with and people sit on the other side of your desk, I not it didn't always happen, but was your heart ever moved to, to really reach out and help that individual, whether they had a pot or a window to throw it out of? I know. Yes, it has. Some things I I've always liked him as a lawyer because I, I refer to him as a bulldog. If you want a lawyer, you've got to have a bulldog lawyer. And he'll, 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 do, he'll do the job for you. But on the other hand, I know the other side of Ron Elwin. I know the man's heart. And he's helped a lot of people in this church through the years. See, folks... It's coming to a time, if you want that compassion to flow and that mercy to flow, you've got to spend time in the presence of God. It's that simple. You want to be more like Jesus, then you've got to get more in the Word. You've got to be in prayer. I told Kathy, I said, I drove all the way to Kearney. It's two hours and a half. Really, it's a little longer than that, but I go faster. I can get there in two and a half. I didn't have the radio on at all. The whole, well, you fa- drive faster than I do. I didn't have the radio on at all. Now, when I was younger, I had that radio's on. I'm with Micah and Caleb. That we'd go down the road, we'd be going, and they'd just be fiddling with the radio all the time, change stations. Have you ever experienced your kid? Where'd they learn that from? Their mother. She's always doing that. No, their father. But you've, I've learned... Just be quiet. Stand up, would you? Be, learn to be quiet. You've got you to get the kids put to bed sometimes. You've got to find a quiet place, folks. You can drive a truck. or and, and Do you drive a truck, don't you? Is it quiet sometimes? You've told me times. One time he called me just not long ago. How God administered this something. He was down in my hometown, and, and he called me. He says, I'm, he says, I'm in Fairbury. And God showed me something. God's not going to be able to show you anything unless you're quiet. When you're flying that plane, tell her to be quiet. Because I know she's sitting right next to you, and she's a good co-pilot. But shut up, Julie, sometimes just be quiet. Rich goes, that was good. <laughs> now, Julie's not a jabber box. But what I'm, you get what I'm trying to tell you. I want to see you do big things for God. I want the church to continue this year to do great things for God. Well, we've got to tap into his mercy and his compassion. And that's not going to happen unless you get in his presence. 
Father, I pray today. In fact, let's just lift our hands because that's a universal sign of surrender. Father, I pray today for the people of Harvest Church, everyone here in this building. I don't know where they're at spiritually, but you do. We're all works in progress. We're all growing. But Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, bring to their remembrance this message. Don't let them forget it about the bowels of mercy, that when they see a need and their heart is moved, I pray, Lord, it stirs them to action, to reach out and relieve the distress and the pain and the suffering in others, whether they pray for the sick or where they gift them with money or whatever kindness they show. Let the people of Harvest Church go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil, for God is with them. Father, I thank you for your compassion and mercy manifested for everyone here, but let that compassion of Christ flow through them to others in need. That's my prayer today for them. And I thank you, Lord, they'll be obedient. Say, I'll be obedient, and I'll reach out with love, mercy, and compassion in Jesus' name. Because I'm a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Amen. Amen. Now, is there anyone here today that you're, you need healing for your body, your physical body? And I'll pray with you. Amen. We're all good to go. Brian going to make it next Sunday. They were on their way. Bless his heart. And the movement of the car after that surgery bothered him. So Val t- turned around, took him back, kicked him out, and came back to church. You tell him, I said today in front of everybody, he'll not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. He'll every day stronger. Amen. So he gets back to his old honorary self. Amen. Well, anything else? Prayer Wednesday night. So go forth and show God's compassion. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Don't forget your giving receipts in your Mark Barclay.